This time on Culture File, the second part of our conversation about the culture of science and its malfunctions with Stuart Ritchie. Ritchie's book, Science Fictions, brings together his research into the many ways the practice of science can produce buggy, even bad knowledge, and fail to correct it. One important check against this comes in the work of Retraction Watch, as Stuart Ritchie told Culture File. Retraction Watch is uh, this website that every time a paper is retracted from the scientific literature, uh, they will do a little um, investigation. So they'll contact the journal that it was retracted from, they'll contact the scientists who did the retraction, and sometimes they'll contact, you know, the person's university or whoever um, is relevant in the, in the case, the funders of the research maybe, just to find out a little bit more about why papers are retracted. Still to this day, even, you know, after 10 years of discussion about replication and fraud and all that, um, in in this replication crisis uh, discussion, still to this day, the retraction note that comes alongside a paper doesn't give many details. Sometimes it will go into, you know, table three, line four, the number is fraudulent here, or or, or, um, there was a mistake in the calculation of this. But sometimes it just says, we noticed there were errors in this paper and we retracted it, sorry. And that's the end of it. So Retraction Watch do this amazing service, which is they, they try and find out who on the team of scientists that publish a paper was the person that was responsible if it was a case of fraud, you know, who, who actually was it rather than just this diffusion of, uh, of responsibility. And Retraction Watch also have this uh, league table of the most retracted scientists in the scientific literature, the Retraction Watch leaderboard, they call it. Currently at the top, it's a, a Japanese anesthesiologist called uh, Yoshitaka Fuji, who has, I think, 185 papers retracted from the scientific literature, which is just, you know, dwarfs the number two and is, is really a, a, an astonishing number if you think about that. Uh, all those papers published in the literature claiming that he had done uh, trials into new anesthetic techniques and, and, in fact, none of the trials were ever, were ever done. Um, and again, there was another case, actually, where people raised red flags about him a good 10 years before the paper started to be retracted from the from the literature and another case of you know the 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 self-correcting process of science really dragging its feet but it's fascinating to watch the 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 retraction watch leaderboard and the some people moving up and down on the on the leaderboard depending on how many papers you know someone else comes along and they've had 60 papers retracted so the person with 50, with a mere 58 retractions gets put down into sixth place or whatever it is it's sort of the opposite of the nobel prize right the nobel prize is these scientists who we want to revere and who are these heroic figures who have made these massive discoveries and the retraction watch leaderboard is the anti nobel prize you do not want to be on that uh, list you do not want to uh, um, uh, be be known among all these other people who are the worst ones are all fraudsters it's not just mistakes you know if you if you've had a hundred papers retracted it's not because you have made a few mistakes it's because you've had a basically a career of of fabricating or falsifying data. Retraction Watch makes the area sound quite simple because there there are bad actors and and you know we can tell by their intense retractions of what they've done. But a lot of what you kind of talk about is the the basics of how science is done, what you choose to study, the size of samples. All these things can be quite subjective to start with and then produce what we call science, but they've been set up to find a particular to find a particular answer yeah um you know the big cases on retraction watch of, of frauds are um are the things which which attract all our attention but it is still a minority and the the really scary and kind of insidious problems are ones which are more unconscious and are um are all these kind of 
subjectivities about how you analyze things and you know how you how you choose a question to analyze but but also the kind of um, unplanned choices that you make along the way of doing a scientific study and if you're not careful the the unplanned nature of it along with your particular desires that you have to see a result and you know when you're running a randomized trial of a particular new drug you often want the drug to be successful right you want to be able to say to patients we've discovered a new a new drug so if you're not careful and there are ways of being more careful but if you're not careful there can be an unconscious bias that comes into the way you analyze your data the way you do your research whether that's rerunning the analysis uh, again and again until you find what you want and you can sort of give yourself a an excuse each time you can say well you know this particular data point doesn't really make sense anyway, so we'll drop that out. Or, oh, it does make sense to correct the results for the age of the participants, even if you hadn't planned to do that in the first place. Oh, it does make sense to do that because when you do it, it shows the result you want. And it's all based on this statistical system where the more you run the analyses um, because of the, the ways that probability and chance work, the more you run the analysis, the more likely you are to find a result even if that result might be a false positive. If you're giving yourself more and more and more rolls of the dice, uh, and you can, again, you can convince yourself that those rolls are, are perfectly rational, and that's exactly what I plan to do all along, of course, you can get yourself into a very bad situation where you're finding results which are, which are false positives. And that doesn't involve any deliberate fraud necessarily. You're not coming along and saying, well, I'm going to just, just uh, you know, chop down the data until it becomes the way I, I want it to look. The scary thing is that this is unconscious and a lot of people uh, find themselves doing it without realising. What's fascinating to me there is that the things that are coming into conflict there is a kind of unreason that's involved in science where a, a scientist with a long career can develop what, what we call instincts and, you know, harnessing them is, is what makes science work in a way and that kind of means messing a little bit with your experiments. Yeah, uh, a, a lot of scientists um, certainly think they've developed these kind of these kind of instincts, or or or, or their kind of nose for what for what a result should look like, or a data analysis should look like. And I guess the replication crisis has has kind of pointed out that what a lot of scientists think is rigorous analysis is actually not, and is actually you know driving them driving them away from the the the, the truth in many ways. And it's not. That I'm saying exploring is bad because you know that instinct that a lot of scientists have to to explore stuff, to follow uh, um, you know interesting points in their data is extremely important. But the problem that we have is that a lot of the data analysis is exploratory. So scientists are just doing whatever they kind of kind of occurs to them, and they're following their instincts about the data and so on. Um, but then it's written up in the scientific paper as if this was what they had planned all along. And the problem there is that. If you just do lots of exploring, you're more likely to find you know, a false positive result, something which is just a, a statistical fluke, a statistical fluctuation. So exploring is great, but only if it's presented as being exploratory all along. Stuart Ritchie there, and the updated edition of Science Fictions is out now. And if you'd like to hear more of that interview, the place for you is this week's Culture File Weekly on Saturday tea time via pod or stream.